myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hello, and welcome to Myth, Magic, Medicine. I'm joined today by Dr. Namita Kansel in, from San Francisco at the moment, where she practices geriatrics. She also runs the Facebook community group, Embrace Your Inner Cook. So today she's going to tell me all about her passion for life and in particular for food. Hi, Namita. Great to talk to you again. Can you explain to us quite how you found this part of your journey? Over the years, I think what I have recognized as something I've, I've enjoyed is how to bring some of the flavors that I've enjoyed outside to the, to the house and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, create a love for that and, and, and be interested and be curious about it and just sort of try my hand and see what I can remember because our brains are so amazing. I mean, if we really put our minds to it, I think we, we are able to remember what we ate, the flavors off, and then try to, you know, bring it up, bring it up as well, you probably and, know. And the, and the sense of smell is so important in that, and your memory yeah. is so hooked into that. That's, that's a really interesting virtual screen. It disappeared into the cup. It was like you were, you were drinking the Northern Lights. So, so you founded that Facebook group a little while ago, which is yes. really popular. Although most of us scroll and don't, you know, I forget to take pictures of what I'm cooking and I forget to send stuff in. Like yesterday when you had to cancel on me, I, I said, oh good, I can go cook. <laughs> so, so I went, I put, picked okra from my back garden, which I'm, I'm collecting. I've only got a few at a time. So I'm collecting that and freezing it so I can make a meal. And, um, but I picked fresh peppers to put in the beans wow. that were already. So it was just wonderful. And I'm thinking, oh, I should take a picture. And then it was, you know, eaten and I forgot. <laughs> but um, yeah. You know what actually you could thing. do though? What you could actually do is you could, you could share a memory of what you ate and what you did and, and what, what got you started. I think it's, it's hardest for people to start. You yeah. know, because they find it so complicated, you know, we make it all so complicated and we want to make it a certain perfect way that we just stop ourselves from actually putting it forward. It has to look right in a, in a picture. It has to be presented right. So there's so right. many barriers of perfection, I think, that stop us from doing what we love well, doing and what and we appreciate. And never mind the pictures, actually cooking, you know. Yes. I'm not a Michelin star, so I'm... And, singing you know now because we've been recording people singing for ages only people who really can sing oh i can't sing i can you know we we really have um handicapped ourselves in some ways exactly yeah. full expression of of who you are or can be you know i mm -hmm. think is is uh, sort of where i'm aspiring to be be it in my kitchen or in my life per se you know Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I think they talk about authenticity. I just trying to discover more of more of who I can be, I think is mm -hmm. kind of where it, where, it, where it all is and uh, food included. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think just not holding ourselves back. I mean, just, yes. I mean, you know, you may be mediocre in your own eyes. Fine. You know, put that mediocrity out there. <laughs> right. One, one, you will improve with practice and yes. two, there's, about seven or eight billion people. Everybody's, you know, you, you got to be somewhere in that scale. You can't be right at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. So exactly. what, um, what drew you to it? Did you start, I mean, you've probably always cooked. Your mother probably taught you. Um, but, but 
did it become a passion when you had children or or were you always fascinated by it i think i love i love the pictures of your little kids in the in the kitchen that's just adorable thank, thank you Thank you. I think the crazy experimentation part of it, I think, started with the kids because they they really challenged me with food. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. It was hard to feed them and it was hard to feed them um, healthy or whatever I thought was a balanced uh, sort of uh, meal from the time they were ready to eat, say, from five months onward. And mm -hmm. so instead of just doing the traditional pureed food version of things, I mean, that's where I wanted to just do a little bit of little bit more you know mm -hmm. incorporate more of real food yes i may puree some of that real food to make it more uh you know safe for them but mm -hmm. you know it was more about experimentation more with the food i liked eating and what else i could add to you know as i was learning things i think all of us are just absorbing things from from our environment as in oh quinoa is very good oh I incorporate a little bit of buckwheat once in a while oh you should eat more tofu oh yeah you should mm -hmm. do do this and that. And so as I was doing more of that, I didn't want them to be like typecast or stereotyped into eating uh, just the pureed, uh, you know, peas and carrots and, and whatever else was generally, you know, sort of mm -hmm. the thing. And so I think that's when that happened. But I've been cooking all my, I mean, for most of my adult life, I would say. And um, uh, but I think what happened, uh, what heightened, what, what brought about Embrace Your Inner Cook was really uh, Mama's passing away in December 2018, oh. and that was perhaps just about a year before the pandemic. And um, this was maybe a way of me honoring her memory, but also I was feeling very, uh, very hollow, and uh, I was feeling a vacuum in my own life, and I wanted more of her in my life. And maybe, maybe cooking being one of one of her many uh, facets of brilliance, I would just say she was a brilliant cook. Um, and I think the way she nurtured and connected us as a family, you know, there was so many amazing conversations that always happened at the food table. There, were, I remember really nice insights with her in the kitchen while she's busily doing a hundred things. And then we were able to connect in a way that where I didn't feel judged, where I felt connected, where she would be herself despite the busyness. And, and there was always, I'm always there for you. And here's something for you to eat, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, to make sure. that. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a little bit of like connection with my mom. It was a way of honoring her memory. It was, it was also, uh, you know, sharing a passion that I had in my own heart and something that I was already doing with the world. And, and, um, and also I think there was so much illness around and I, you know, food and wellness go together and happiness and food, right? And so I think it was a way of cheering myself up. It's a way of connecting with people, finding other people, maybe honoring my mama and talking about her once in a while. It was a little bit of just about everything yeah. and coming more into my own, you know, expressing more of who I was in the culinary space, like in just like as a person who liked food. Uh, you know, out out to the world. You know, I, I'm known as the as the physician and and such, and you know, in my in my husband's mm. family and such, and they know I like to cook, but I think they don't know the extent of or, or the passion with which I I sometimes take take to food. It's not always there. Like right now, in the last month or two, I've not been able to, but uh, as much you know, with mm. as much enthusiasm and focus. But it's my home cooking continues. You know, no, we do feed the children. That's good. That is yes. a very good idea. But yeah, one, one of the things I think that 
Yeah. Every so often we're reminded, and it's it's true of all cultures. Food is so bad. Everybody eats. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody has to eat. Yes. And and it is a gathering place. It's where where you, it, it's comfort, but it's also um, breaking bread. When you when you first make friends with people, you you meet and over a meal you have them to your house. It's yes. not to show them your wallpaper. It's it is that here i'm feeding you something i'm not poisoning you it's it's a, it's a connection that we make and it's yeah. really important i think it's really important that children have that very yeah. young you know not you know sit and eat a frozen meal or recently defrosted meal um but exactly. but to have that learn basic table manners learn how to have a conversation you know, <laughs> there's all of those things are connected Absolutely. I, I agree with that. I think I, I want the children, especially in our world where, you know, from the, in, when you go to the grocery stores, everything looks very clean, polished, even cut up for you and chopped up and food is transformed, like from how, you know, you don't even know where it came from. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important for children to know how it grows, you know, that bugs may be good. Butterflies and bees also coexist in the same area where food might also exist. So, you know, find your way to carefully pick your cherries, but don't bother the bugs. So it's just about being more ecologically aware and being mm -hmm. present with your environment and what you're eating. Right. And actually making yeah. food choices. Yeah, just, you're making yeah. food choices, but you're also showing respect to food. You're also showing respect to the environment. And... And you're enjoying, you're savoring how everything tastes different each time. It's nuanced. It's not like um, a plum tastes exactly the same. One plum from the next plum is going to be different in texture and taste and color, you know, mm -hmm. in its juiciness, in its flavor profile. I mean, everything is so different. To be able to embrace diversity at the level of the food and also having that foolish experience when you go out into the marketplace, you know, sniff everything out, feel it with all your senses. You know, it's a, it's it's about being alive. I mean, mm -hmm. food is such an integral part of us, yes. And it's also it reminds you of of aliveness, of diversity, of of just beauty and grandeur of this world. I mean, there, there's that. The colors mm -hmm. of food, I mean, could be amazing. I mean, yes, you repurpose it when you when you cut it and you you cook it, you whatever, you poach it, you bake it, but just food in general. I mean, just look at the colors. I, I'm, yeah. Each time I look at produce, I'm just, I'm blown away. I mean, look, I look at flowers, I look at nature, and I also find abundance in nature. I mean, each time I look at food and I say, God has been feeding us, you know, for billions mm -hmm. of years and there hasn't been a shortage but look at the scarcity that we have in our hearts you know mm -hmm. we hold ourselves back i mean scarcity yes we don't have enough we won't have enough and mm -hmm. we're not enough as human beings but look at look at the abundance and food for example equals abundance for me because mm -hmm. i feel like long after you and i are dead and um and and many many generations after us there will still be food on this planet yes and it, and we will be provided for if we continue to look for it in the right way, use it the right way. But there is abundance. I mean, God did create that. So that that kind of idea. Also. And it also, when it's it's another aspect of of when when you're with your children, being able to to talk. <laughs> remember the we must eat that there are children starving in africa but but you know th to realize that that we should be sharing this abundance yes. with the whole world because there are places where food is scarce yes and where people are so 
so desperate they're feeding their children mud to, to assuage the hunger. And yet, you know, we begrudge sending extra thought. We have so much. We should yeah. be more more mindful of what we have and be more willing to share it with yeah, the rest of absolutely. our human family. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, our children actually, uh, they are happiest when they actually, as soon as they have outgrown clothes or if they have an extra pair of something, they come to me first and they say, we want to share this because somebody else Good. might be able to use it right now. Oh, um, I have an extra pair of socks, mom. I don't think I need it right now. Do you think you have somebody you can share it with? Because I'm a part of other groups where I am, uh, you know, passing stuff off. And uh, sometimes I get things there from there too. And so it's it's more about just that. I, I love the community that is created. You know, if you if you open your hearts, including, right. you know, I think it's, it's something that translates right. to every facet of life and i think they're very happy when they when they take home cooked meals to their schools now and then they get to share it so there is a little bit more pride the younger boy no not as much he's still a little bit uh, all over the place but i think the older girl gets the idea a bit more mm -hmm. she's a bit mm -hmm. more mature too um but she takes pride in what she what she takes takes with her there was always there was i think there was this um she was almost uh she not embarrassed but she was she was uncertain of wh why she was sometimes taking food to her preschool for a long time and then even into her kindergarten. And I just said, I think, first of all, I think you would enjoy some of this. You're welcome to leave some of it if you don't want to and finish up mm -hmm. the rest. Never waste food, but it would be a, a good supplement to what you're getting in school because now they have free meals during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, so so she would take that with greater pride. And she she was accepting of it, you know, that I may have different food. Yes, I, I carry lentils sometimes and people don't eat lentils during lunch. This, they eat it only as a salad or they do it in a different mm -hmm. way. But it's okay for me to eat it this way because my heritage, uh, you know, introduced me the, to this idea and this way of cooking. So she's not so closed up into it that, you know, it has to be mac and cheese and macaroni cannot be, e cannot be eaten otherwise, you know, it, it yeah, can be yeah. done in different ways. <laughs> so so it's, it's like that. Yeah. I think it's about opening their minds too at this age, you know, that food can be eaten in so many different ways. You just have to experiment, right. open your eyes, you know, and now you have the internet, you know, go, go searching, go looking or mm -hmm. just try something and nothing is off the table no. i always tell them no Unless you're actually allergic to it if you're actually allergic to it that's different. I think with children textures particularly with children yeah important for everybody but textures really that's that's why you see those extraordinary faces on little babies as you try to feed them things that just yeah that's not what i expected rather as i respond when i think i'm going to drink tea and it turns out to be coffee as it hits my mouth and it just it's a i like both of those things but it really yeah. <laughs> it throws me when it's the wrong the wrong information coming in for sure for sure yes i think and and having a variety of textures actually uh makes it entertaining i mean if they are mindful but if they're doing it mechanically nothing would matter you know mm -hmm. if people are just using uh, food as a means to an end as in you know i need fuel to get this body moving and to get me awake then nothing would matter what you put in textures colors flavors nothing matters but i think it's the mindfulness of when you're doing this and trying to be more present in the whole activity which i think gets that connection going where mm -hmm. a certain food could bring a certain kind of pleasure or a certain kind of feeling in your body
Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is important. A lot of us are eating mechanically, where yes, most of our our attention is on the screens, and yes, and on the side is this thing going on mechanically back and forth. It doesn't matter what's in there. Sometimes the portions get. uh you know forgotten in terms of how much is okay to eat at one given yeah. time and then you're not also paying attention to what your stomach is saying okay you may be already satiated a, a long time ago stop feeding me you're burping already okay you're not looking good right now you're bloated now <laughs> no but that thing goes on you know mm-hmm. uh, so uh, uh yeah i think that as a as a just a, a nod again at your your specialty you work with the older population do you inpatient or outpatient inpatient yeah how uh, can you speak to the importance of food as as part of their cultural memories of 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 how how do you feel the hospital is able to support the older patients in what they need so um uh, although you know we are in a, a in a controversial time right now with my work uh, because uh, we are the largest uh, city city um owned sniff in the country and uh, so you but despite that so we're not a private for profit enterprise but despite that there has been just one moment um yeah. this is although it's a tiny audience it is an international audience so when you use acronyms they don't necessarily understand you would you mind explaining sniff <laughs> oh yes of course of course <laughs> yes so uh so i work for a, a city owned skilled nursing facility which uh, which uh, where we see patients post acutely which means when they have been in a, in an hospital for something very a uh, severe you know acute enough to be you know hospitalized where they need uh, attention uh, by um by physicians and and uh, other specialists and uh, nurses and such for about 3 4 days and after which they're not deemed fit enough to go back home straight away but they uh-huh. need to still receive some level of care in the same manner that's the kind of environment i i work in and um and even though i would say that we're not a, a for profit like a private entity i have to say that our care for our patients is very very um informed uh mm-hmm. and and respectful to their cultural backgrounds because we understand how important food can be so at least in our hospital we have um we have um uh different um uh floors where we have uh, ethnically informed um uh like a presence so it's a, it is we have chinese floors we have hispanic floors we have of course palliative hospice floors we have dementia floors but every time we do offer cuisine we definitely take into account uh what their cultural background is and try to offer them food so if we can't place them in an environment which does recreational activities which would be more meaningful to them and uh you know in their language um and sort of and we create a little milieu that actually represents you know snippets of their culture or maybe reminiscent to them of what it would mean for them culturally uh then we do try to give them food and we try mm-hmm. to give them programming even in their own rooms which would be very um which would be perhaps better for them and mm-hmm. make them feel more comfortable and at home because right. as we get older i think we tend to go back to where our life began and back to our cultural roots it, ju- it is just the common right. it is it is a comfort thing it's i mean comfort. yes Com- comfort food tends to get a bad reputation particularly in in an anglican anglican anglicized system because comfort food is 
mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and french fries and it's all that the heavy starch stuff um but but really it's 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 allowing you to think back to when you felt safe yeah when when so somebody true. was looking after you and yeah absolutely you're so right and comfort food say i can talk to you from my indian perspective right, right. for us it's like dal and chawal which is basically lentils and rice there's nothing bad about the food i mean yes there is some starchiness to both the mm -hmm. food groups but ultimately it's it's that feeling of of uh, of when you were feeling wholesome happy connected and you were thriving in a loving environment loving and nurturing environment and and how you were made to feel when you were eating that maybe repeatedly at different times so we could all have our connections with certain types of food mm -hmm. um, because we go back in time to to where what that brought to us and i think uh, comfort food also is oftentimes simple um, yes. sometimes when we, you know, and it has less components. So for example, mashed potato, you're talking, there's not much to it, right? Mm -hmm. I would say in terms of the, the different ingredients that you're putting into it, but it's the, it's the emotion that it invokes, uh, and the memories that it invokes and the associations that you have right. perhaps during a time when life was simpler and perhaps when you had some bonded, yeah. uh, some bonding with somebody. Right. Yeah, probably life wasn't any simpler for the grown-ups, but for the, but for the younger people, it seemed simpler at the time. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yes, it's 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 truly. I think it's the emotion, and also I think there has to be something to say about the flavors. You know what mm -hmm. what that invokes in you. Does it feel wholesome? I mean, do you feel really full and happy when you're eating something like that? You know, I think for in our homes, I think if my children were to grow up, I think 20 years, you know, if I was to fast forward 20 years, I think they would say that uh, pico de gallo, so salsa with beans and rice, even though it's not my ethnic cuisine, would become their comfort food with maybe some chips and guacamole. I think they would oh. really love it. But why not? This if you look, I'm, I don't know very much about India other yes. than because I'm English, I had to learn some things, but I, I'm not very good at the geography, really. I know that Carol is down there and Go is sort of over here, but, but is it Goa heavily, in, heavily influenced by Portuguese cooking, isn't it, Goa? Uh, Goa is, Goa. Yeah. Yes, as the coastal town, yes. That's where yeah. the Portuguese arrived, yes. Yeah, and so I, that's what I, I love about that, which is I'm, um, I have a lot of, I should because I'm a doctor, I know a lot of Indians, but, but <laughs> I also know a lot of Persians because I'm a Baha'i. <laughs> and um, Persian cuisine and Indian cuisine have a lot of similarities. The, the spice, well, the heat profile is very different, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of similarities and mm -hmm. that I absolutely love it. And I still can't cook rice. Having spent 50 years trying to master rice, I still cook it like an English person sort of squishy and rather sad. I think I, I must expect it to look like mashed potato. <laughs> That's not what I'm aiming for, but it's what I wind up with. <laughs> you know, I, I have, can I, can I, can I say something? I don't know why. You teach me to cook rice? <laughs> yes. No, not so much cook. I can share what I know. See, uh, the whole idea about embracing your inner cook is to accept yourself where you are and keep and keep an eye on getting better and maybe mm -hmm. fine tuning what you already know or can learn or maybe can tweak and transform. So when you say master something, I often wonder about that. That used to be my language. And now I just say, I want to 
make it a little different. I want to make it better than I made it last time. And mm -hmm. so that make, gives me a sense of, okay, I can achieve it. When I say mastery, that I'm here and the sky is here. And so I can never reach anything. <laughs> you know, it'll take me years of practice, all reading and research and oh my goodness. So it feels le less tangible. But when I say I can do it better than my last time and I can tweak it a bit, I can, you know, pick up a few tips, I, it makes me feel like I'll get to it and I will do it. When I say mastery, it hard, it's hard. So just, just something I for think you that's to probably. I think that's a great part for us to end on, honestly, because that is probably excellent advice for life. Everything yes. we do, we can get it just a little bit better the next time. Yes, yes. And be happy with it. Applaud yourself. Enjoy the accomplishment of making it slightly better than what you did last time, better for yourself. What is in your metric, the better version, right? It may be not as good for anybody else. Who cares? It's for me. I'm trying to better my own skills. I got it better. Good for me. Oh, oh and, and, and celebrate yourself. So that's what I tend to do. And then I've seen it gets me farther in life in general. Like, as you said, mm -hmm. it's something that applies to multiple facets in life. So rice, you know, I grew up rice. I grew up eating rice in the traditional way where we had it starch in and everything. And it was mm -hmm. always just, you know, one type of rice. So, you know, we have so many varietals of rice in India. My gosh, we're a rice eating country like many other tropics, tropical countries. And so uh, my, my father was in the military. And so we lived in so many different parts of the, of the country, like every year, year and a half, he was, he was transferred. And so mm -hmm. we went from this side to that side and so you're just adapting and adapting and adapting. But um, mama never made a rice which had like different grains in it. But I, as, I think ever since my children came along and then for me, nutrition and wholesomeness and my own personal health and all of this, you know, and uh, just, just growing up in life and, you know, trying to be just uh, feeling like I was eating more flavors and getting more crunch and everything in every single bite. I think I was just trying to make everything happen all at once. Uh, I decided that I would do a medley of grains, but how I have learned to cook, what I've been doing recently, at least with rice is the Persian way of cooking, which is really mm -hmm. like, um, uh, I think uh, Indians do it too, but I think it's called dum cooking, which is basically cooking uh, rice with the starch removed on a low yes. heat cupboard and covering it with a cloth so that it doesn't become mushy. Yes. Yes. And so Persians do it too. So I have to give credit most recently. I mean, I've seen it growing up, but I never took to it. I think credit is deserved and, and rightly, rightly accredited to a person when you start practicing what they told you. And so mm -hmm. for me, my Persian friends recently in the last, I would say 10, 12 years, uh, one person actually had come home and they said, you like eating tadik, which is, which is their oh. version of the, of the rice, right? Which has, uh, which has a, a, a crusty bottom and it has oil and it's it's uh, it's it's got a crunch to it and so it's it's very special. But uh, tadik I like, but I think what I what really really got to me was how fluffy their rice is, you know, and how separate the grain is. And I I grew up with some of that, but the way I remember it from from home was it used to be a bit oilier. The Persian mm -hmm. version of the rice turns out to be fluffy yet not oily. So that was a good one for me. I said, okay, I don't have to deal with as much oil as I saw growing up to get that version mm -hmm. of it. So I'm going to do the, the Persian way. And lo and behold, I've managed to incorporate it with different grains. So I have buckwheat, quinoa, I have wheat, I have, uh, I'll tell you, I have oats, I have farro. 
so I, I do different versions of wheat. Um, sometimes I do different varieties of rice itself. So I would mm -hmm. do a wild rice blend or I would do brown rice. I would do a long grain, short grain. So I do a medley of different grains. Combined, combined. Combined. And then I make my rice. That's my, that's what our that's, rice pilaf is every that, day. I, that would, that would make me very nervous because there are different cooking times. There are different cooking times for all and of those you wouldn't things. Believe and it works. It works. <laughs> all it right. I, I will try it and I will post it on Facebook. Ah. Before we go, for the listeners, you have a <laughs> Facebook group, which is great. Yeah. Embrace your inner cook and it's open to the world, right? If you yes, eat boy. food and you enjoy food, please join yes. the Facebook group. It's yes. really a friendly place. <laughs> yes. Yes. And as I am practicing non-judgment in my life, which is a big part of what I'm trying to shun and get rid of, you know, mm -hmm. take away my core identity and, you know, being stuck in that identity and not expanding. I want to have I want to have it's a it's a place of no no judgment. Would you agree? Um, absolutely, no, right? Absolutely, yeah. The judging is is internal. You know, internal. a lot of it's like, exactly. oh, I can't put this picture on because it didn't look like the last person's incredible picture. But exactly. it really, and nobody. This is anybody's work. <laughs> Yes, yes. So it's a place of no judgment, but it's because it's a private group. So uh, you have to be either friends with somebody on the group or you have to find me and then request to be approved. And then, then that's okay. how you get in. Because I really want to keep, um, you know, just spammers out of that community. Sure. It needs to be a nurturing place where at least I know a little bit about some of the members in the group and just just that. But it's it's welcome to all comers. I mean, it started off in the physicians community because that's where the idea was born and that's who I knew at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it, it's, it's just been that um, uh, more for physicians right now, but uh, all comers, all genders, all ages, all everything, <laughs> all backgrounds. <laughs> and, all, and all abilities in the kitchen. Apps that is paramount. Thank you for saying that. Yes, all <laughs> abilities. If you can boil water or can't even do that, but you want to, I want to, you want to be there. You know, just come there, just to be excited about food, perhaps. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I think, and you know, I, I think I, I, um, I sometimes misuse my privilege as an administrator because I put in a little bit of the spiritual stuff that I'm learning or reading about, and so I add it. <laughs> yes. So I, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, just say it. And, you know, I, I encourage everybody else, you know, whoever wants to share anything at all about life, because I think everything ultimately is interconnected, you yeah. know, nothing really stands discreetly. We have, we have compartmentalized our lives and in, in so many different ways, you know, in terms of, you know, our ethnicities, our languages, our culture, our jobs, our you know, this and that, and, uh, you know, name it. I mean, you can just cut yourselves up in like a million pieces, but ultimately I think it's the whole that, that jives well, that feels good, you know? So I think if we, if we incorporate all aspects of our lives and bring it all together, you know, wherever appropriate, of course, you're not going to be like completely off, off kelter, but you know, as, as long as it feels like it's a part of the human experience, I, mm -hmm. it, um, I, I think it, it's, it's very much welcome. So yes, I misuse my privilege, but I welcome everybody in the group to actually share as much of what they're learning, you know, be it in food or otherwise, or however it informs your, your human experience and makes it better, makes you feel enlightened and feeling 
and alive, aliveness, food, mm -hmm. aliveness, and life. I mean, those are my things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. And of course, preparing food doesn't necessarily mean it has to be cooked. The alive, so I mean, oh, look, raw food. Raw foodies can join in too and show us yes. their wonderful salads and all the other oh, things gosh. that they can make. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, look at look at look at uh, the magic of dates. I mean, it's great mm -hmm. cooked. And you eat it raw and you can make it into rolls that look like they're cooked, but they're actually not, you mm -hmm. know, with coconut, you know, the desiccated coconut or fresh coconut, you just combine the two ingredients. I mean, God created such bounty in our lives. It's for us to, to combine and, and, and appreciate it and, and use it in a way that, that feels amazing that, you know, that, that creates, uh, uh, and you know, joy and, and wants us, um, uh, creates aliveness, but also I think empowers us to do more of what we came to do in this world. I think food mm -hmm. is a fuel ultimately too, right? I mean, if you eat the wrong kind of food, it weighs you down. If you eat food right. that is alive, well-prepared, wholesome, healthier, you know, with healthier profiles, mm -hmm. I think it gives you a sense of wellness and aliveness that, that, that informs your power, in, informs your energy, your vibration, and also your energy levels in terms of what you're able to do in this world and which would also mean connection. So I think food has its own place, but uh, it's not everything, but it has its, its vital role to play since a part, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a part of life that cannot be removed, you know? No, definitely not. <laughs> right? And so, and so if it is, if it is to be that way, let's make it, let's make it personable. Let's make it wholesome. Let's experiment with it. Let's have fun and, and keep let's it have part of community. It's it's yes. part of community. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really. So sharing, sharing, caring, food. You know, our children teach us so many wonderful things in life. I mean, my children have been talking about sharing is caring from, I think, when they were two years old, and it's something mm -hmm. that now really rings true to me as as a forty-something-year-old person. Yes, somewhere in that in the space of time, it did not become as important because it was all about me, me, me. And how do I make myself special and stand out there? But sharing is caring and sharing and bonding is so important in life. You know, it brings back to where we, where, where we, where would be, we would be happiest mm -hmm. and, and, and calmest and most peaceful. I think those are the virtues that I care for the most in my life today. The bond, right the bond with this universe with with every everything around me low less judgment um less fear uh more confidence and um and wholesomeness whatever that mm. is for you food or otherwise and knowing that there is an abundant world abundant. you don't have to you don't have to stash you don't have to hoard yes absolutely we've seen so much of that the, the baby formula thing is still an oh issue because people are still hoarding formula you sort of understand the fear although yes. you know rest of us but but you know it it's yeah. really sad that people feel that and i think that it's part of educating your children is also if if they can sit around a table and realize that this is part of an experience it's not the only thing and yes they don't have yes. to shovel in their mouths and run off and do other stuff but they, it's part of their their might their tiny community as part of the larger community Yes, yes. And also I feel like, yes, uh, sometimes less is enough. 
sometimes when we have less of something at a certain point in life that is enough too that's okay and mm -hmm. it, we will we will make it we will survive perhaps we will be deficient in certain things for a little period of our lives but you know because we we hurt ourselves as we are deficient you know as in when we have we go with that scarcity mindset we hurt ourselves and we go into a place of big negative emotions where we are trying less we are we're more stressed we're not putting out our best in the world because we are we constrict ourselves as as human beings too you know mm -hmm. the scarcity has has repercussions where we become less as as the beautiful humans that we are because we are not performing at our at our optimal right. best so i think accepting less for periods of time and then embracing more when it comes and appreciating it that way too i think that balance of being able to go back and forth in that also is important mm -hmm. you know and and thinking of life as perfect as it comes to you i mean for me embracing life completely on on the, on its own terms is so important when i say embrace your inner cook it also means embrace whatever it is that it, that that your 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 cooking is about but what life is about too mm -hmm. you know right. so, thank you um, so much yeah of course thank you thank you for joining us at myth magic medicine if you have found this episode useful you can apply for free cme credit through the link provided in the transcript if you're not a medical professional please remember while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.